0: So I hadn't had a banana, it's been like 20 years, went to the, goal, went to the caboose, and I was, it took me so long to eat it, my family left me there. They literally left, you guys just walked away, we lived so close, they just like, we're out of here, and they left, and I'm like, okay, may I just stay there? Can't, my, my sister stayed though, my sister was, she helped me, yes, that was nice of her, all right, Awesome. This Friday, uh, you know, inside your bulletin, you'll see a picture of some handsome young men there. So you guys are welcome to j- join us for our open house party. If you guys want to come over, we're going to do that Friday for Tanner and for Peyton. And uh, I just feel this morning just a real special presence of the Lord in this place. And I just pray that you, f- that you feel his, his presence too and that you feel his love. Uh, when when we have moments like this, we have moments where we we stop in life for a second, pause, and look back and celebrate. If you know graduation is one of those moments for us, uh, it begins to help you just pause and take inventory and think about your life and think about what God has done and how good He is and how fast life goes. And hopefully, it helps us to become appreciative again. Just of every moment, every day that we have together as family and what God is doing in our lives. And today, I want to give an encouraging message to not just our graduates, but to all of us. And we have been looking at Proverbs, and I, I love Proverbs because it is the wisdom of God uh, given to us to, to be successful. And this morning, I was laying in bed, and my first thoughts, I believe, it was from God as I was waking up. Started, I started thinking about success. And uh, as a coach, and track coach this season. We just finished our season yesterday. We were at the state finals over in uh, what was Jennison High School over on the west side, and uh, we were competing there at the state meet. We had one runner this year, Joe Wade, who attends here, and he's uh, he's running the 800 meter. And so all all day we had this list, and I had this list at my house, and there was 24. Kids on this list, and they were ranked number one, number two, number three, number four. They got their name, their school, their time. And I was wake. I woke up this morning, and all day yesterday, we we're like, "Okay, Joe, we got to try to get in the top eight, you know, to get all state. That's the, that's the prize out there." But we had an- we had another goal, and that was his his time. He wanted to get his personal time, and he wanted to try to break two minutes in the eight hundred meter run, which is a if you're a runner, that's a huge like barrier. It's just a badge of honor if you can break two minutes in the 800-meter run. So uh, we had those two goals. And anyway, this morning my thought was was going to success and what it really means. And I thought, man, our system is so wrong. Everything in our world is about competitive and beating one another. It's all about putting people under you and climbing on top and getting to the top. Uh, And I know, and I'm not taking anything away from the the grades and the GPA, because I know we have some very smart graduates here. Uh, valvatorian right here in the second row. And that's a great accomplishment. Uh, But the system in our world, it's a fallen system. It's a system that says, can you be better than everybody else? But that's not God's system. It's, it's uh, that success in Scripture is not about getting to the top of other people. It's about getting to the top of your potential. It's totally different. And what if instead of uh, being so focused on beating one another or being better than one another or competing with one another that we saw that our role was to complement one another? Like I have a role to play on planet Earth. God put part of himself in me. To get it to you, not to lord it over you, but there's a gift in me. To give, it's a gift from God. It's whoever I am that God has made me to be. And true success, isn't it being who God has made you to be? To be that blessing and that compliment to the people around you because we all have a part, but we don't all have the whole without one another. You hear what I'm saying? So, I'm not taking anything away from accomplishments, but I do want to address all of us that our true success is really uh, knowing who we are in Christ and being that image of God on the earth. And uh, it's really about how many people we can elevate through the gift that God has given us as opposed to how many people we can get above. Can I get an amen on that one? All right. Because God has made each and every one of us to be that successful person, that person who, who really does bring his presence to the earth. And uh, anyway, uh, Joe ran a great race yesterday, just to give you the story, and he ran 159.49. He yeah. was awesome, awesome race. And the reason that this was on my mind was because he got ninth place, which is the first place outside of Allstate. And I was telling him afterwards, I'm like, Joe... I was like, you, you ran a great race, you, you improved 2.31 seconds, that's an incredible job, you did everything I wanted you to do, I am super excited for you. And it doesn't matter the place, it matters to some people, and it does matter to a part of me, because <laughs> that's, that's my personality, but I was trying to, you know, work it out loud, like, but Joe, that, you did everything I wanted you to do, you did it, you accomplished a bigger goal, and I was talking to him afterwards, you know, and his dad, and saying, if I had the choice between you running your best time or you not running your best time and being all state, I would have rather have had you run your best time. Because that's more about success is that we become who God's made us to be. And, and we can't judge our success based on other people. You can't do this. It's not fair. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to who God made you to be. Your success is never based on if somebody else fails more than you, or someone else accomplishes more than you. It's about you being who God made you to be. Okay, that's what success is. And I want to share with you a, you know, a, a message out of Proverbs chapter 3 today, which is funny. I don't think Caleb knew my message, and he already was preaching it there a little bit. And I, I, if, you, if you memorize one chapter in the Bible, and I'm talking to the graduates and everybody, Uh, I would memorize Proverbs chapter 3. It is chuck full of great promises of God for you and for your life. How many of you would like to have this kind of a life? To live a long and prosperous life filled with riches, honor, and blessing. To have favor in all that you do. To have a good name and a good reputation with others. For your path in life to be straight and a successful one. One without meaningless... Or fruitful endeavors to be healthy to possess strong bones to live with peace to have no fear to have sleep that is sweet and satisfying and to live in safety how many of you would choose that kind of a life all right that is a proverbs chapter 3 life promises of god every one of those are promises of god if you will follow his ways if you will fear him and and put his, his ways into practice, okay? Riches, honor, favor, blessing, safety, peace, long life, health, prosperity, and a good name. All in one chapter. Let me read the opposite of those things. The opposite. Lack, dishonor, disfavor, cursed, in harm's way, anxiety, short life, sickness, poverty, bad name so which life do you want to choose all right you don't get to go to a store called the life store and use a credit card or cash and buy riches and honor and peace and safety and and a good name and a long life and health you can't buy those things but God has promised those to those who follow him it's awesome and so I'm going to just kind of go through some of these amazing qualities that God has listed in Proverbs chapter 3 and give you some of these. i got 10 principles to build a successful life on. We're probably not going to get through all 10 of them, so you got the notes there. Uh, but number one is memorize and obey God's word. Memorize and obey God's word. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands and in your heart, for they will prolong your life. You'll have a long life. Uh, they'll prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. So just by being a person who is faithful to meditate, memorize, and put into practice God's word, God says, I will give you a long life filled with peace and prosperity. How I many you think it's worth your time to read, study, mentor, meditate, and memorize the word of God? Long life, peace, and prosperity. Anybody want it? All right, let's go get it. Let's go get it. All right, you don't do it by wasting your life watching TV, reality TV, and absorbing all the you know stuff there. You gotta set some time aside to meditate, memorize, and put into practice God's word. And in that process, things happen. God speaks to you, your heart is changed, your mind is changed, it affects your decisions, it affects your mood, your attitude, and begins to lead you in a path of life. And that leads to a longer life and a life of peace and a life of prosperity. That's what happens in the process. It's not just doing the Bible stuff. It's what happens because you're doing the Bible stuff. You're spending time with God. You're hearing God. He's d- directing your steps. He's protecting you. He's giving you wisdom. You're putting it into practice. And you, you, you unlock what I, I consider you're unlocking the blessings of God in your life. And they begin to just come into your life. The Word of God, it's right, it's perfect, it's eternal, and it's supreme. There is nothing uh, smarter or more perfect or more eternal or more higher in authority than the Word of God. Nothing. Nothing at all. Anything and everything that you know is subject to the Word of God. It is the final say. It is the rightest right. It is the strongest word. Can I get an amen? When you go to college, some of you are going to public universities and you will be taught some information and some of us have, have also been sub- subjected to some information that is not true. It is not accurate. Anything that does not align itself with the word of God is not right. It's wrong. It's not true. It's false. Not everything that is spoken by a professor or by Someone online or uh, ourselves is always correct. However, what you need to do is you need to, whatever you are receiving as instructions from teachers or professors or in life, going through what we go through and all the inputs that we are receiving all the time, we need to have a filter. And the filter is the Word of God. If it aligns with the Word of God, we're okay with it. If it doesn't, we reject it. Internally, we say, no, that's not right. I'm not buying it. I'm not going to adopt that philosophy. That's man's opinion. That's man's philosophy. That's, that's not going to... That's not right. It's not correct. So I give you permission, graduates, to reject some of the teaching that you will receive over the next four years. Because <laughs> it's not all correct. One time I was in high school. I had a teacher talking. She was a very aggressive, charismatic teacher. She knew I was a Christian. She was talking about something she knew that I wasn't agreeing with. So she called me out in class. Mr. Hobson, you're a Christian. What do you believe? And I'm like, whoo, pressure, pressure. So I stood up. I gave her my, my spiel afterwards, after class. She said, hey, I give you a lot of credit for that. I said, listen, uh, I won't say her name, but she was, she was a, a woman. I said, listen, someday I'm going to come back. And when I have a little bit more information, I'll finish the conversation with you. (laughs) Because I wasn't as smart as she was. I just knew that it wasn't right what she was saying. And so you need to have within you the Word of God, which is the supreme truth. And that is your filter. You reject whether there's a Ph.D. or an M.D. or there's whatever initials behind a person's title. doesn't make what they say right. The Word of God is your plumb line for life stick to it and if you don't meditate on it if you don't memorize it if you don't know it you don't have that filter you won't realize when you're being fed a line and you need to you need to know what god's word says okay uh proverbs chapter 2 verses 1 to 2 and 9 to 11 says my son if you accept my words and store up my commands within you that means you're you're meditating and memorizing on the word of god you're storing it up inside of you If you turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. That's pretty awesome. Wisdom will enter your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. That's awesome. So, young people, put the Word of God front and center in your life. That is your ultimate teacher, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Amen? Come on, parents. Give them some support. This is good advice, all right? Proverbs chapter 3, verses uh, 3 and 4 is point number two. It says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the eyes in the sight of God and man. If you always choose love and you always choose faithfulness, you will have a good, a good reputation and you will have a good reputation and favor with God, too. Not just with man, but with God. Because God chooses love, he chooses faithfulness. Even when we're faithless, the Bible says he is faithful. He is full of faith, he never gives up. Uh, you know the, the, the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I read that at, at weddings. It says uh, love is patient, love is kind, uh, it, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. This is who God is. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. How many of you are thankful for that one? Yeah. Love, God, does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. God always protects. Love always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Never fails. Love never fails. God never fails. Choose love. Choose faithfulness. Now, this is a, a tough one. It's not that simple for me to just say, be loving. be faithful. It's not that easy. When someone hurts you, betrays you, disappoints you, ridicules you, choose love. What do you mean, choose love? Um, I mean, don't be rude, don't be easily angered, don't be proud, be kind, be patient, don't give up, don't keep a record of wrongs. That's what I mean. Forgive them. It's this is real life. Choose love. Don't choose anger. Don't don't choose vengeance. Don't choose unforgiveness. Don't choose uh, to cut them off. Don't choose cursing. Don't don't choose those things. Choose love. Forgive. Be kind. When you feel like giving up in life, and how many of you have felt like giving up before? Adults? Anybody out there? All right. You guys too tired to lift your hand? Because I know every hand in here should be going up right now. Okay. God, give me some energy. You know, you don't want to try anymore when you just want to quit or get out. This is what you do. You choose faithfulness. You hang in there. You do the right thing. You keep working at it. You don't give up. You choose faithfulness. Faithfulness is I'm going to stay in there. I'm going to finish. When the going gets tough, I'm going to hang in there until I get through it. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit. Most of the greatest lessons of life come when you have to persevere and finish what you started even though there's a whole lot of resistance to it okay i'm going to go back to love for a second at times you will be tempted to get even with people at times (laughs) i was like at times like it only happens once in a while you will always be tempted let me put it that way to get even with people to pursue vengeance to gossip to pay them back to cut them off or to give up on them you'll always be tempted to do that And yet the Bible says we should choose love. We should not do those things. We should choose love. We should persevere with them. Uh, As as far as faithfulness goes, there will be times in life that you face when you may think that doing the right thing isn't worth it. That's not paying off for you. You may see other people doing the wrong thing, and you may think that it's paying off for them. And you may say, what's the point? What's the point of me doing the right thing? What's the point of me always giving the extra effort or always showing up early or staying late or or doing it right and not cheating or not cutting corners? You will face times in your marriage when you don't want to work through it. You would say to yourself, what's the point? Why am I even doing this? I think I'll just get out. I'll give up. You'll face times in your career when you'll be tempted to cut corners. But choose faithfulness choose to do the right thing it will pay off for you choose faithfulness that's what this scripture means to wrap it around bind it around you write it on your heart do not let this go choose love choose faithfulness walk that out and what will happen you will have favor you'll have a good name and a good reputation with man and with God and that's priceless that's priceless You can clap anytime, please, go ahead. I mean, you're not clapping for me. You're clapping for the truth of God's word that sets us free and and encourages us. Okay, point number three, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Some of you have this as your lifelong, you know, verse or verses. Trust in the Lord. If you know what, say it with me. This is our memory verse, by the way, for the week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I like this. The NIV changed the word. Uh, it used to be all, an understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him. That's how I had it memorized. And I just, uh, this is the 1984 NIV version, okay? I've had the NIV Bible since 1984, and I have a lot of it memorized. So then when they come up with the, the new little tweaking versions, I'm like, what? It doesn't say that. But I like that word better. Because it it brings more to home what it really means. Not just to acknowledge God, but to actually submit to God. That's what acknowledging means. To say, God, this is your way, I'm going to do it your way, and I'm going to trust in you. And therefore, then he guides your path. He makes it straight. He makes it prosperous. He gives you the direction and the wisdom that you need to have. You see, um, trust, this word trust in the Lord, trust is a relationship word. It's a word that when we talk about marriage is the most important foundational principle of a marriage is the word trust. It's a relationship word. It's what makes the marriage work, trust. That you're willing to be there and trust in one another. No matter what, that you're going to make mistakes, you're going to screw up, you're going to have some bad days, but there's something that holds it together that's called trust relationship relationship so this is a relationship with god this isn't a religious uh relate a religion that we're practicing this is a real relationship with god so have a real relationship with god that's what this is saying have a real relationship with god and let your heart really trust him lean on him believe in him follow him submit to him humble yourself before him this means 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to obey God in his, in his spirit, as he, as he leads you and guides you, to live in unity with God, to 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 you know when he's to listen to him, to follow him, to obey him, to have that relationship together. Okay? Proverbs, uh, the problem is that we we tend to gravitate towards independence. Right? We tend to gravitate towards, I got this, I'll take care of this, I, I can handle this. And uh, our pride takes over, or we presume, we presume to know what to do or what not to do. We presume to know what, what the answer is. We lean on our own wisdom, or in, in my new kind of way of breaking this down, and lean not on your own idiot ideas, <laughs> something like that, you know. Lean not on your own ideas, your own, your own means, your own wisdom, which isn't wisdom at all, but believe in God. And here's the problem with that is Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that, everybody say this, seems right. There is a way that seems right to man. You have a way, and it seems right. You, you actually believe it's the right thing to do in your wisdom, in your limited understanding, and when you cut God off and you say, I got this. I know what to do. And you don't ask God, you don't submit to God, you don't refer to his word, or you just ignore it altogether, and you're just going on your own understanding. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to you, but it leads to death. Independence from God always leads to death. And so if you want to have these things like a straight path, a path that's successful and going to be great, You need to include God in all of this, especially graduates when you're trying to seek your future. God, do I do this major? Am I going to take this career? Am I going to do this interview? Am I going to accept this job? Am I going to marry this man? Am I going to marry this woman? You know, those are pretty big choices in life. What should you do? You should be asking God. (laughs) Oh, God, I got a path. I got some decisions to make. Lord, where are you leading me? Where are you going? Where am I going? Where do you want me to go? Ask him, trust in him, okay? Proverbs chapter three, verses seven to eight, next two verses uh, says this, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Health to your body, nourishment to your bones. How many of you believe uh, that God's word is actually saying what it says? So I actually believe this stuff. If the Bible gives me a promise that I can be healthy and my bones can be strong, I pay attention to the premise. If that's the promise, what's the premise? The premise here says, for me, not to be wise in my own eyes, don't live my life in pride, to fear God and to shun evil. To fear God and to shun evil are the same thing. Exactly the same thing. A person who shuns evil is showing that they fear the Lord. They have holy respect for God. They know that what he says is right and true. Therefore, the result of that belief is a shunning of evil, not a flippancy with evil, not a playing around with evil, not an adopting of evil, uh, but a fear of God leads to the shunning of evil. That's what, they're the same thing. And, and so the Bible says, to shun evil. Now, in the Bible, it talks about two words, righteousness and wickedness. And I just want to make it clear, and I've done this before, but it, it, it paints a picture of a path, and you're on the path, and the path to be on this path, which is to be following God and to be good with God in His Word, to be on that path is called righteousness. Okay? To be off that path, to be contrary to what God's word says in any area of our lives. That word that the Bible uses to describe that is wickedness, okay? It's not like you're a wicked person, you're a righteous person. It's you're living in a a broken, evil state, a way it's going to cause pain and death to you. Or you're in alignment, it's going to produce life in you. And so God doesn't call us like we're wicked people because he made us in his image. But we can be walking in, in wickedness. We can be walking off the path. So what's what's the point of this conversation? It's to be on the path, because on the path of righteousness, it produces life to us. And some people have this old-time religion concept of religion or this whole Bible thing or this whole faith thing. It's fun versus boring. Sin is fun. Church is boring. Okay? Doing what I want to do, that's fun. Doing what God wants me to do, that's boring. That's religion. That's no fun. God's a killjoy. I just want to straighten out the record here for you. Okay? All of you graduates and young people and all of us, listen to me. This is not fun versus boring. This is life versus death. And when you walk into life the way God has designed it, that is fun. And it is prosperity. And it is soul-satisfying. Soul-satisfying. It is. Like we were saying that song, every other idol can't see, can't hear, can't answer prayers. Made of man, it's pleasure-seeking, temporary cotton candy. Produces no health, no lasting joy, only regret and and, uh, and shame and condemnation and brokenness and pain. It's all a shabby, you know, imitation of what God really has for you that satisfies your soul. This is not fun versus boring. This is life versus death. Life versus death. Proverbs 1, and 33 says, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them. Waywardness means to go off the path. The waywardness of the simple will kill them. The complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Sign me up. I want to be a God listener, a God follower. I'm looking around here and seeing that I am not going to cover hardly anything I want to. So I'm going to jump to um, one that I I really wanted to talk about just briefly, number 8. And it comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. All these points are out of chapter 3, okay? I just want to say this because I haven't really spoken about this too much in the past and I just want to make a strong statement about it. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 21 to 26. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. Sound judgment and discretion. This is what you young people need to understand. You need to always always have sound judgment And discretion, very, very important. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. If you preserve sound judgment and discretion, the the Bible says, God says, you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you'll not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. You'll have no fear of sudden disaster, or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Pretty powerful promises. Safety, protection, great sleep, no fear. Uh, And so here's what I want to say to you, okay? Exercising sound judgment and discretion. Specifically, do not get drunk or do not get high on drugs. Because when you get drunk and when you get high, you lose your capacity to make sound judgments and discretion. Getting drunk and getting high is not preserving sound judgment or discretion. That's a wrong choice, and how many of us have have seen lives ruined, lost, or severely damaged because of a moment of a lack of good judgment or discretion? One moment, when you put down good judgment and discretion, when when you lay those things down What you're doing is you're laying down your protection and the safety, your physical safety, your spiritual safety, and the safety of those people around you. And so I want to give you a very strong word. That's not cool. That's not fun. It's not something you have to do to experience it. It is laying down sound judgment and discretion, and you're sacrificing your safety and the safety of those around you. Uh, Proverbs twenty-five, twenty-eight says this, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. As soon as you, how do you lack self-control? As soon as you are not in control anymore, you don't have self-control. Drugs and alcohol, they take away self-control. You no longer have control of yourself. You're not, you're not capable of making wise choices or having discretion in those moments. And your safety is is sacrificed. Can I get an amen on that? I'm not trying to kill anybody's joy. That is not what this is about. Like I said, this is about life and death. If you follow God's word, you will be safe. You You will be prosperous. You'll have good sleep. You will not fear harm. You won't wake up with big regrets. Now, if you do make mistakes... How many of you are glad that we have a God of mercy and grace, right? So I'm not talking about being perfect. Well, there's some things you do not want to do. There's some things you do not want to uh, uh, risk. You don't have to do everything to find out how bad it is, okay? You don't have to live life that way. You can proactively live a life of prosperity and success by following God's Word. You will get what God's Word says you'll get. Isn't that awesome? You can have life and prosperity and goodness and safety and peace in all of these things. Uh, I'm going to mention these others real quick. Number five principle that comes from Proverbs 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing, two overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. The single greatest discipline you can establish in your life that will bring you prosperity is to understand and faithfully tithe. Okay? For young people, that's the greatest principle that you can practice for your future prosperity is to tithe, to understand and to practice tithing. I spoke about this a few weeks ago. I don't have time to speak about it now anymore, but there is a whole lot there to learn. And if you really trust God with your finances, that's the key to being really prosperous and blessed financially in life. Can I get an amen for those of you who have tithed? Okay. Keep that in mind. I teach my kids that, and I I pray that they will always follow that principle, because if they do, I know God will take care of every one of their needs. No problem. Uh, Number six, from Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, I want to just say this. It says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. I want to encourage you all to embrace correction. Correction really is the path to life. To, To not be stubborn and prideful and arrogant and to, to not listen, to not be coachable, to not be learnable, but be correctable. Em- embrace correction throughout your whole life. You will keep growing and growing and growing. It's not that you're bad. It's not that you're a failure. We all need to keep learning and growing, and you need to embrace correction, whether that's from a coach, a parent, a professor, a teacher, from God, the Holy Spirit. You need to embrace correction. It is the way to life. Pride and arrogance is the way uh, to death. But when we humble ourselves before God and we learn and we keep growing and we are open to correction, then God can protect us and guide us and get us back on a path that will be good for us. Can I get an amen on that one too? All right. And uh, the other ones I said here, uh, number seven principle is to seek God's wisdom. Whatever we pursue, our hearts cling to. If we pursue money, our hearts will cling to money and we will begin to worship money. If we uh, begin to pursue pleasure, our hearts will cling to pleasure and we will begin to worship pleasure. If we pursue God and we seek God, we will begin to worship God and we will get the benefits of God. This is the, this is the paradox of life. We chase all of these things, money, pleasure, success, Accolades, power, whatever, meaning, fun. We chase all these things only to find out we can only find those things if we chase God first. If we seek God first when we step into that walk with God, then we look around like, I got pleasure, I got meaning, I got success, I got everything I need. My soul is satisfied. I hope you find that lesson, I hope you learn that lesson early in life. I hope you learn that lesson early in life, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added as well. Okay? I hope you learn that early in life. Um, Number nine, be kind, generous, and honest with others. And number ten was to choose mercy over vengeance to choose righteousness over wickedness, to choose humility over pride. I want to pray for all of us. In a message like this, you know, it's a little bit different because it, uh, it feels a little bit like a commencement speech to me. But, um, you know, we had a valedictorian, uh, David Sackwriter, give a speech at Montrose. Uh, was it Friday night? He did a great talk on greatness, pursuing greatness. Um, and today, Abby's going to be giving a speech for the new Lothrop graduation in a few few hour and a half or so, I don't know, a couple hours, at 2 o'clock, new Lothrop's graduation. And, um, you know, I was, Dave, David Sakharata uh, did a really good speech on greatness, and I just wanted to end this message by saying that true greatness is in all of us. And it is in following God and, and finding that he made you on purpose for a purpose. And if you can, if you can find his love, his love, his love will make all the difference in your life and in the lives of those around you. Because God has made you in his image and he loves you. And he has a great plan for your life. And uh, wherever we are and whatever we are doing, I just love to see the God part of us shining through. I look at different people like up here on stage. I can't, I can't sing, you know, as good as these guys, although I sing at least as loud as them. So it's probably a good thing I'm sitting in the front row so you guys can't hear me. Sometimes these guys can hear me singing over their mics, you know, because I'm like, but um, I look at, you know, I was, I was thinking of um, Cannon and the drums. I got here early this morning while they're still practicing and he was doing that fast, you know, beat to that one song. And I was just looking at I'm like, Man, that is awesome. It's just great. You know, whatever we do, the Bible says, do it all with all your might as unto the Lord, not unto man. Whatever you do, whoever you are, be all in with who God's called you to be. And we will all benefit from that. And you will come alive. You will come alive. I just want God in you to rise up. I don't want any barriers, any fear, any lies of the enemy to hold you back from being who God's called you to be. That's your success zone. That's your greatness zone. To be alive in him and let and believe what he says about you and to let that grow, those seeds, grow in and through you and be the greatest grandmother the world has ever seen. You know, Be the greatest father. Be the greatest employer. Be the greatest musician, whatever and whoever you are. Let God inspire all of those seeds to be fully alive and fruitful in your life. God started us in a garden, which tells me he wanted us to learn how to grow some fruitfulness. He started us in a garden, and he wants us to develop. He wants us to grow. He's planted seeds inside of you. And don't let anybody or any any, uh, voice continue to try to depress or suppress or choke out the seeds that God has placed inside of you. I want all of you to be inspired today to seek first his kingdom, go after God, let God inspire you and move upon you to be who he's called you to be. That is the greatest life you can ever live. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, let's stand together. I'm going to pray a blessing on you. And a congratulations, graduates. Congratulations, family. Uh, congratulations, Sean. Uh, but let's all just keep striving forward for... For our own greatness as well and what God's calling us to do. I just want to pray a blessing of blessing on you, okay? Lord, I just thank you for today's message. I thank you for the promises in your word. I thank you for these amazing uh, qualities that you have promised to us of long life, prosperity, favor, safety, a good name, good reputation, health. Thank you, Lord, for prosperity, for riches, for honor. Lord, but let us not chase those things. Let us just realize, today, Lord, that as we seek you, and chase after you, as we pursue you, all of these saints will be gladly blessed upon us from our relationship with you. We'll have everything we need, and especially for these young people today, Lord, as they some of them are leaving homes in the next couple of months and going a little, a little ways away to different universities. They're going to have great experiences, new friendships developed, new opportunities. But Lord, let them, let them seek first your kingdom in their lives. Let them get that right, Lord. Let them stay focused on you. May you lead them and guide them in every decision that they make. May they be a great blessing where they go. And we send them today as an extension of the Lamb of God family that they will be, as we always say, blessed to be a blessing. That they will go forth to not just consume or to get But they will go forth with blessing. They will give. They will make lives better around them. Their football team, the cross-country team, the the nursing programs, the places that they go, the engineering programs that these students are in, the educational programs, the students they study with, they will be a blessing. They will be a light in the darkness. They will be truth in a culture of darkness. And they they will be led by your Holy Spirit. We pray this blessing upon them, that they know they're not alone that they're called of God, they are your child, you have a purpose for their life, you are with them at all times, and we're behind them as well as a spiritual family. Praying for them, excited for them, but God, let all of our lives now just be cast into your care. We give ourselves to you, Lord. We think that everybody in this room here is created on purpose for a purpose. Lord, I just command all negative thoughts and any any lies of the enemy that has tried to steal any, heart any sliver of your image in anyone in this room would be exposed and broken in Jesus name so each one in this room is free from the lies of the enemy to pursue the true greatness that you have put inside of us your breath your image let your image and your breath come out with life and fullness and blessing to those around us may this spiritual family thrive and be alive And be full of energy and health and prosperity and safety and no fear. No fear. Great courage and faith. I bless the Lamb of God family today, Lord. I bless each one here in the name of the Lord that the image of God would come forth and prosper in each and every one of our lives. That you would strengthen the work of our hands. You would lead us and guide us and make our path straight. We honor you and bless you today in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace, His shalom, His wholeness, His healing, His prosperity, His wisdom in His name. Amen. Amen.